Welcome to Foot Guns, home to the only hype-free investment-based crypto podcast. Satoshi Nakamoto said it was going to happen. You know, I want half a million dollars of exposure to it. Ethereum. And, you know, everybody that's trading this was doing what I was doing today. A 51% attack where the chain split into three different chains. All of a sudden, I have Ethereum in my MetaMask account. And so anything from a regulatory standpoint that stifles DeFi is bad to me. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Foot Guns Podcast. You may have noticed that I am not Boomer. That's right, Boomer is out today and it's me, Wasabi Boat Research, filling in for him. Boomer is actually off uh, hunting in the wilderness right now with uh, Joe Rogan and Elon. So we uh, look forward to welcoming him when he gets back. I'm here with uh, Hal69K, aka Shadowy Crypto Bond Villain. And we have a very special guest today, Simone Pomposi on Twitter at The Other Pomp. That's a great name, by the way. And we're just going to be doing kind of a general orientation on Phantom. And um, I guess at the start, I should disclose that I am long WFTM in some uh, experimental urine vaults. How do you have any uh, phantom? Yes. And uh, if anyone's been listening to us for a while, they should know that I pretty much don't talk about anything that I'm not long. Awesome. So, Simone, welcome. Thanks so much for for joining us today. It's great to have you. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. So um, we were going to get to this later, but I can't resist. So I was looking at Twitter and it looks like Solana is down. So uh, are we going to hear the champagne corks uh, popping in the phantom office in the background there? (laughs) No, that wouldn't be fair. Uh, So I have to say that these things happen, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, it's all, um, you know, we sometimes forget that uh, we're still very early in this technology. And these hiccups happen. They, it happened to us. It happened to Avalanche. It happened to Polygon. Uh, so now it happened. Well, it happened to Solana right in the past. But uh, <laughs> you know, these things happen. And I think Arbitrum as well is having issues right now. So uh, it's all good. You know, uh, good luck to them, to the team. And uh, you know, Phantom is working. So for those <laughs> who wants to use a uh, working network right now, come to Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, I was I was thinking about this, like what, you know, I've not played. I'm not the kind of person that like does every new chain that comes out, but I'm kind of a little bit selective just because I'm busy and don't have time to branch to every chain. But I was thinking, like, what was it that I liked about Phantom and drew me to Phantom? And I kind of think like part was the the quirkiness, like the, you know, ghosts and spirits and this, you know, like the almost like Halloween theme. So I was going to ask, like, you, you do marketing and user experience. Is this your brainchild, like having this coordinated theme among so many of the of the first apps that were on Phantom? Yes, of course. No, not really. <laughs> that's that's what I would like to say. But no, it, it all um, it all just happened. Right. I think that the first uh, actually it was Spook and Spirit. They were the first ones to come up with the sort of ghosty uh, theme because of the Phantom, Phantom of the Opera, right? It all comes from there. But it's it's very interesting to to see that it all happened pretty much at the same time. Spirit and Spook came up with, with this very similar branding and then everyone else followed, you know? So Scream and, you know, you know all, all the other projects, Reaper, Rim, you know, all those that came after uh, and it's great. I, as you said, I think it really gives a, a very uh, specific branding uh, to the whole uh, to the whole ecosystem, and uh, it's fun. Cool. So um, let's uh, let's back up a little bit. So can you give us a little intro on your crypto story, how you got into crypto in general, and you know how you ended up at Phantom? There are a lot of different projects that are popping off now, but what was it that that attracted you to Phantom in particular? Yeah. So uh, I got to know crypto in 2013 when a friend of mine, uh, a co-worker, um, somehow tried to describe Bitcoin and he did a very horrible job because <laughs> I wish mm-hmm. he did it a little bit better. So I, I could have uh, you know, started way sooner. But I did buy my first Bitcoin in 2013. Rather, really, uh, can I can I ask where you were in uh, t- 2013? Yes, of course. I was in New York. 
New York City. Okay, okay. And then, and, and you said you ended up buying some. How, how did you How did you buy it? I bought it on uh, Coinbase, end of 2013. Oh, right, right. So that was like right, er, very, very early days of Coinbase. Probably didn't look very much like it does it, now. Exactly. It's not. It's not as it is right now. And but actually, this friend of mine had been telling me about Bitcoin for months. And I was like, man, I don't know what you're what you're saying because he was telling was telling me about the difficulty of Bitcoin. And of course, that's the, the last thing that you want to say to someone about when you describe Bitcoin, the difficulty and how it adjusts over time. And it was just extremely confusing. And so, of course, I didn't do much research anyway. So uh, I bought a little bit of Bitcoin in uh, 2013. Then I forgot about it, of course, and came back in early 2017. And once again, it was, uh, was kind of a random event uh, because another friend of mine uh, told me something that I, I misunderstood. I thought that he was talking about Bitcoin, but it wasn't. So I was like, hmm, wait, this Bitcoin thing, okay, it's been there for three years. Let me see where we're at now. And then I started looking into it, and then I saw uh, Ethereum. I saw you know all the other uh, newer and recent projects that uh, in the meantime happened. And then I fell down the rabbit hole and never left. And um, how do how did I get into Phantom? Basically, I well, uh, I was uh, in touch with Michael Chen, CMO of Phantom, right now, since way before Phantom. And so basically, I I was there since the very early beginning uh, of Phantom, and I was one of the very first community uh, members. And I followed the project very very closely, so uh, uh, to the point that. In early 2019, I organized an event in New York City with Andre, uh, Andre Cronian, and he came over uh, in New York to talk about Phantom. And his event was a meetup uh, in, um, in the Flatiron area with Polychain and IOTA. And there's, there's a recording actually on YouTube of that. It's very, very uh, interesting also because Andre <laughs> did a phenomenal job in explaining IOTA and Holochain better than their respective speakers. So that, that was uh, pretty amazing. Um, and then fast forward, we, we kept in touch, Andre and I, and of course also Michael. And uh, at the end of 2019, they asked me to, to join the team to take care of the marketing, take care of the, you know, basically all the front-facing uh, stuff. So that's pretty much the short story of uh, my crypto life. Awesome. So at, at this point, I want to kind of start introducing listeners to Phantom and start with just a general kind of orientation. There are terms that I admit I use kind of loosely and probably am, am doing them wrong. So could you kind of give us how you think about a layer one versus a layer two? And there's these other terms, you know, roll ups, alt chains, side chains. So what what is phantom among all of those and how does it kind of compare why is it what it is and not some other name yeah so phantom is a layer one network uh, that is built on an abft consensus uh, mechanism uh, that allows for the network to uh, to be super fast and super cheap pretty much and we're talking about a, an average of uh, one second transactions so transactions on phantom are confirmed in an average of one second, and they cost um, from you know below a fraction of a cent to a few cents, depending on the complexity of the smart contract interaction. Uh, the difference between layer one, layer two, and uh, side chains is that layer ones do not rely on any other chain for security. For example, uh, let's take um, Polygon. Polygon is pretty much a sidechain of Ethereum because it has to uh, periodically check, basically they have checkpoints that they have to interact with the Ethereum blockchain, uh, you know, to, to do whatever it does technically. But it's what I'm trying to say is that if Ethereum goes down, then Polygon doesn't work. Same thing for all these new uh, sidechains that are popping up, uh, Layer 2, such as Arbitrum and, uh, and similar. Layer 1s instead, such as Phantom, such as Solana, such as uh, Avalanche, uh, and so on, they're, they're full complete networks. They're basically just like Ethereum. So if Ethereum goes down, if any other network 
uh, goes down, such as what's happening now with Solana, Phantom works uh, with no problem. Got it. And if, yeah, so if, if anyone has not tried Phantom, I would urge you just to try a few basic transactions to really see the speed for yourself because it's amazing coming from Ethereum to, to Phantom. And, you know, many of the other uh, chains like Polygon are, are quite fast too, but Phantom is is amazingly fast. So um, I'm, just, I'm just wondering if you could give a little bit more on the consensus mechanism because I think that is almost like the mechanism for how it's so fast. So what is the... You know, explain it like I'm five to for for people who are, are new to this. But is there something about the consensus mechanism of Phantom that allows it to be so fast? And will will it continue this speed when it gets super crowded? Like if it becomes to kind of like Ethereum levels of crowdedness? Oof. Yes, that is a good question, and I'm not the best person to answer that question because the. the um so I have a I have a similar question that maybe you yes. can't answer. So there's been a, a lot of criticism about Solana, um, you know, in that it costs you know a million dollars or something to run a data center powerful enough to you know um, be someone supporting the the layer one mechanism of the Solana network, right? And so Phantom being a layer one has you know must be supported by some some computing power. Um, so can you can you explain uh, on that level the difference, like say compared to a Solana or or even an Ethereum or a Bitcoin? In uh, what, we're, what we're really talking about is the decentralized um, nature of the network, right? So if if it's cheaper to run a node, you tend to see more people running nodes, and therefore it's more decentralized. Is the argument? So how does how does Phantom fit into that? That, that is that is correct, um, and I can also briefly answer the uh, the consensus question. But let, let's let's start in the notes for in the notes first. So uh, of course you know uh, Phantom, uh, like many other uh, chains, is a proof of stake chain. So it needs validator nodes, and it needs uh, people that stake delegate their tokens to those nodes to secure the network. Um, now, um, let's take, for example, well, there are some chains where running a node is quite cheap. And right now, running a node on Phantom is actually quite expensive. Uh, and the reason, so I'll, the requirements to run a node at this moment is to self-stake 1 million FTM, which at current prices, it's around $1.3 million, which, which is a lot of money, right? Now, why is it so high? Well, um, it was up until a couple of months ago, it was, it was actually 3.21 uh, million FTM. So it was even more uh, expensive to run a node. And keep in mind that these numbers were set when uh, the network was not so popular and the price of the token was much, much lower. So back then, running a node, back then, I mean, I mean when, um, when we launched Mainnet at the end of 2019, running a node was probably around... 50 to 100K, which I think is very reasonable. And then, of course, with the token appreciation, running it became uh, more expensive. Now, um, how do we fix that? Because we we know that, you know, as you said, you know, the, the, the more expensive running node, the less uh, decentralization happens. And, and we're seeing this, uh, in, you know, on, on Phantom because right now we, are, we have around 50, 50, 55 nodes, something like that. And uh, it's it's kind of it's, I mean, it is let's say sufficiently decentralized, but we want definitely more. And how can we do that? Well, we have an amazing on-chain governance, and actually, there's a proposal right now going on to lower the requirements even more for uh, to run a validator node. And I believe right now that if there's a few proposal. One of them is to lower it to 500k. FTM, but moving forward, I would really like to, to lower it even more. The network can support more nodes, of course, uh, joining. So I just want to pause. To you so. said that that you you do have on-chain governance for Phantom. Correct. So that that yeah, I just want to make that clear to our listeners that that to me is something that separates Phantom from you know several other uh, layer ones. Um, well, you know, there's many, many, many competitors. Um, so is there is is there um, 
is there like a DAO? Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I haven't done much research into the actual governance of Phantom. Uh, can you just clarify that? Absolutely. So um, it's super simple. Anyone that uh, is a Phantom staker, so of course you have to stake your, your FTM and also lock it for, for a period of time, minimum of two weeks up to a year. Um, if you meet these, uh, these requirements, then you can uh, create a proposal on-chain. And it costs 100 FTM right now to create a proposal, and you can propose anything that you want, um, related, of course, to, to, to the network. If the including, you know, the, the percentage of uh, the votes that need to happen to pass the proposal, and so on. And if it happens, then, you know, since it's it's, the uh, governance is fully decentralized, then we'll uh, implement those changes. And these, again, happened, as I mentioned before, a couple of months ago to lower the, the validated requirements. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And they, you're right. I mean, it's uh, it's the only layer one that I know of that has uh, on-chain governance the way that we have it. So it's not just, of course, it's on chain. So as I said, it's fully decentralized, but also the way that we designed it, it's not just a simple yes or no, but we, as a user, as a staker uh, of Phantom, you, you can create a proposal with multiple options and voters can vote not just yes or no, but have like, they have a range of agreement, a level of, of agreement that they can express about each option. So let's say option A can be, you can vote anything between zero to four, and zero is basically I don't agree. To four is I fully agree with all you know different levels in between. So it's very very um, deep um, and, and sort of complex uh, way of, of voting. Complex in a good way because it really gets very granular, and you can get a very good idea of what people uh, really want. That's really interesting. I had no idea about that. Um... I wanted to, to kind of move into another another part, just getting a little bit more clear on, on Phantom and where it kind of sits in the ecosystem. You know, a big theme, especially the last few weeks, has kind of been this explosion of um, alt-layer ones or, or, you know, Arbitrum, Ethereum scaling solutions, you know, other places where developers can, can deploy smart contract apps. So we've talked a little bit about the governance and speed as something that kind of sets Phantom apart. But like... I'm curious, do you see it, Phantom, as developing any sort of niche like NFTs or gaming or, you know, high speed trading or any kind of like uh, niche in which it's going to really try to dominate? Or is it just kind of competing on every different use case? That's a really good question. Um, So I would say, of course, it's kind of hard to, to answer. I can tell you what I see right now, right? Because... Again, being decentralized, people can just you know build whatever they want. So for now, of course, it's been uh, sort of a rush of uh, DeFi products, and you know we have some amazing one. We have Spooky Swap that is basically I believe the seventh most used DEX in the world, which is unbelievable. Mm. And if you guys didn't try, or the listeners didn't try Spooky, please give it a try because it's uh, it's literally the, the smoothest uh, user experience across the board. Uh, when it comes to an AM index. Um, so we've seen, you know, a surge of all these uh, DeFi products. We have, you know, Scream, an amazing, amazing lending protocol. It is a photo compound. Uh, but recently, we've also seen the rise of NFTs, right? Because fo- sort of following what's happening with Ethereum, but people are starting, uh, are starting, have started to, uh, to drop NFTs on Phantom, and you know, and uh, we had a few NFT drops that sold out in a few seconds, and it's something that's impossible on Ethereum, of course, but on Phantom can happen, and um, that is great to see. And of course, moving forward, so what we're seeing a lot, we're talking to to several teams about NFTs, but also about gaming, as you pointed out. And this is because, you know, um, Phantom with its uh, low cost transactions and uh, that one second confirmation, it's, re- you know, really getting to the point where you can actually play a game with those, uh, with those features characteristics. So 
we don't, as a foundation, we're not planning uh, Phantom, the network, to be, you know, more lean, more towards one thing or the other, but these things will play out naturally. And I think that, you know, we're going to have, of course, uh, DeFi products because they work extremely well, as you, as you also experience in, fir- in first person, you know, coming from Ethereum to Phantom, it's, it's a completely different experience. And actually, going back to Ethereum, it's painful. Uh, but on the other side, uh, I would say that, yes, we're going to see more and more NFTs. Actually, I believe we didn't see anything yet. And of course, gaming, you know. Um, so, yes, because gaming can't happen on Ethereum at all. Yeah, I was going to ask if you're if you're sitting down and having a coffee with kind of the ETH maxi or someone who's who's very into Ethereum, what would be the if you could get them to do one action on Phantom to kind of instantly grasp the the value? What would what would that one thing be? You mentioned Spirit Swap earlier. Is that is that what it, or was it Spook? One of those, spooky, but what yeah, would it be? one of those is Spook and Spirit. But I would I would actually suggest to do that. Come over to Phantom, bridge some Phantom, uh, bridge some something over using the multi-chain, or even better, uh, spooky bridge. Because again, you did a phenomenal job with the uh, with the bridge. It is built on top of any swap, so it's super safe and secure. Um, yeah, and just try, you know, try to do a swap uh, on uh, on spooky. You can try even to swap. I don't know, ten cents because you know something that it's impossible to do on Ethereum. I mean, it's possible, but it doesn't make sense with the fees. Swap ten cents. And you, that's it. You know, that's all you need. Awesome. You, you mentioned uh, NFTs. Is it where? Where's the place that people would go to? Uh, you know, buy mint uh, NFTs. That is a good question. Then that place doesn't exist yet. I mean, there's actually. Let me let me rephrase that. There's a couple of uh, NFTs marketplace. One is on Zoo. It's ZooCoin. Um, website, let me look it up. It's yeah, ZooCoin.cash. And the other one is PaintSwap. But also, we're coming uh, up with our own NFT marketplace that is called Archeon. And it should be uh, released this month. Oh, awesome. So something for something to look forward to. Absolutely. And I don't know if you guys have seen it, but... It, Andre actually just tweeted just you know before uh, before we started recording that um, well AnySwap is working on an F- on an NFT bridge to bridge NFTs from uh, Ethereum to Phantom and that and uh, in the screenshot that Andre shared it's actually loot. Uh, you know, here's a question for you, and maybe maybe you don't know the answer to this. Yeah. Is there is there plans to build bridges from, let's say, like Phantom to Polygon or Solana or something like that? And you know, do these already exist, and I just don't know about them? Yes. So uh, with Solana, not so much because they they're not EVM. So until uh, I I know that they're working on something to to make Solana EVM compatible, but at the moment it's not. So it's not possible, uh, or I mean, not possible, not easily doable. Let's put it this way. But other bridges they do exist. So there's bridges between Phantom and Avalanche, between Phantom and uh, Polygon, between Phantom and ESC, uh, and pretty much all the EVM compatible chains. So if you go on multi-chain, you'll see the list of all the chains supported, including uh, Huobi, um, uh, Kiko, uh, Huobi ecosystem, and uh, and all the others that I can't remember. But yes, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to have to try that out. Um, I was going to kind of try to get back to like the coolest thing that's happening on Phantom that's not happening anywhere else. And I think you you were kind of going towards gaming with that. So like, could we go a little deeper on, on gaming? Are there any games that you recommend that are really fun to, to kind of check out and, and people should should try the gaming experience? Yeah, not at the moment, because we don't have any games yet on Phantom. I know at least two games that are going to be deployed on Phantom in the next months. But until then, I mean, wait, uh, actually, let me let me uh, rephrase that as well. But this, mm, these games will be more like Axie, uh, so, to, so to speak. But actually, there's a game that uh, Andrew released uh, last week that is variety, which is amazing. Uh, amazing for those that like you know RPG games, um, and uh, and what we've seen there. I mean, Andre just did basically the code, and uh, you could mint 
NFTs related to the game um, with no interface pretty much, just just interacting with the contract and FTM scan. But then uh, a couple of days after, we've seen several teams build interfaces and build basically a face, a front for this, uh, for this new uh, game called Rarity Game that Andre created. And um, Rarity, I think, uh, reached 120,000 NFTs minted in two days, and then it surpassed uh, a million NFTs in uh, less than a week. So that's that's a game that you that anyone can play already right now, and it's free. It's just uh, you just have to buy to pay for the transaction cost, and that's it. Basically, go there, meet your uh, your summoner, and then you know keep going. Yeah, that's that's one of the coolest things I think about kind of crypto gaming is how it's it's this like creating the game itself is this multiplayer experience too. It's not just kind of one company that releases the game and then has control over it. It's like people are making different parts and different interfaces and it's almost like a totally new way of, of developing games. So I'm really excited to see how that develops. Absolutely. Um, it's similar to, to DeFi in a way, right? So in DeFi, there are the building, the building blocks, the Lego blocks, and we're going to see the same thing happening for game. Awesome. It's basically like Minecraft for adults. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so in this next section, I think we're going to try to look at some like risks or or just you know foot guns as uh, as that's the uh, the name of this podcast. We're trying to trying to look out for ways that listeners can kind of avoid making mistakes or, or getting into trouble. Um, and you know that's just part of the philosophy of, of always kind of being aware of risks or things that could go wrong and, and, and coming into everything with, with open eyes. So what, um, I guess one, one thing that we, that has been highlighted a lot is that as Ethereum kind of shatters into all these different chains and, and pieces, um, especially for, for some of the smaller, uh, tokens, is that going to kind of dry up liquidity and make it harder to, to, for, for these DeFi projects to have liquidity across chains or how, how, do, how do you think about that in terms of, What's going on with DeFi on Phantom? Hmm. Well, DeFi on Phantom is actually it's booming. So um, th- there are there are two things that I'm noticing. There are cross-chain products uh, such as Curves, such, such as Sushi, uh, Ave, and so on that you know deploy on, on different chains. And then there are uh, platform-specific uh, protocols. Uh, on on Phantom, we have you know, what I mentioned before. So Spirit, Spooky. Uh, Reaper, Scream, and so on. So I don't really see any issues actually with uh, liquidity right now, just because of this big sort of uh, division. And of course, there are great opportunities with uh, reputable protocols if you stay just on, on Phantom. But I also truly believe that uh, the future is multi-chain. So I won't. You will never hear me say Phantom is the the best blockchain of all. And uh, there's going to be only Phantom in the, in the future, and Ethereum will die, and all the other networks will die, because that's not true. That's also not true for all the other uh, networks, right? So, uh, and, and I'm very actually glad that uh, that all the all other projects are opening up their minds to, to embrace this sort of philosophy. Um, so, what I think is that we're still very very early in this cross-chain, uh, multi-chain ecosystem. And I'm very, very curious to see what's going to happen once um, developers can abstract even more than now those bridges and you know bridging tokens, importing tokens from one chain to another. Not so much from Ethereum to other chains, but rather uh, between high-performing uh, chains, for example. That, you know, let's take the examples of Avalanche and Phantom. They're very, very similar. Uh, chains for the way that they're built. They're both built on, on an EFT consensus. Both of them have uh, very fast finality. Avalanche is a little bit, uh, it's actually quite more expensive for now. Uh, but, you know, that speed and, and the relative lower cost of transactions can really open up the doors for something that we haven't seen yet. And I'm talking about sort of cross-chain liquidity, 
and uh, you know, literally doing things cross-chain without even realizing that you're doing cross-chain. So I always like to think that at some point, and I'm sure we get there, you go on a website, you click a button, there is maybe a swap, maybe, I don't know, you know, liquidity, whatever it is. And that happens on whatever chain is best for that thing in that, in that moment, regardless of where you have your tokens. And these things are possible, you know, with Phantom and chains similar to Phantom. Got it. You you brought up um, bridging across chains, and I I was noticing you know the last time we had one of these waves where there's a bunch of selling and then selling begets more selling because of leverage positions and stuff that people had funds that were stuck I think in the ethmatic bridge or the BSC bridge and they're trying to get money across so they can not get get liquidated or or do what they need to do. But um, so you know. Bridges are really this kind of like critical point. So have, have there been any bridge congestion issues during these like crazy days or with Phantom or has there has it been pretty smooth? Yes, indeed. We did have some uh, some good congestion back in uh, pretty much, you know, around the same time that you just mentioned. So back in March, I believe. Um, however, uh, any swap did some reward. And, and now the bridge has been going has been going super super smoothly, with no congestion whatsoever. Even though the the amount bridged 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 <laughs> over to Phantom and back to Ethereum or other chains is much higher. Even though uh, we we're seeing you know users are I don't know, ten times more than than they were back in March and transactions daily transactions as well. So um, as I said before, you know we're still early, but Already in a few months, we did some great progress in fixing these issues, and the any swap teams is working constantly on, on improving their uh, their bridges. So, uh, as how long now, does it how long does yeah. it take to swap uh, go back and forth across the Phantom Bridge? Actually, that that we should we should have that answered because uh, <laughs> you know all the all the different bridges to all the different chains take uh, different times. This is a really good question, and that's one of the reasons. Yeah, that I think why Phantom is uh, is actually really good because it doesn't take long at all. Uh, you know, it, it depends, of course, uh, on Ethereum, um, but I would say in normal conditions, or if you just you know pay enough money for the for the gas fees, the bridging back and forth, actually bridging from Ethereum to Phantom happens in a couple of minutes, let's say two to five minutes, depending on, on Ethereum. And bridging back from Phantom to Ethereum is pretty much instant. Oh, that's pretty amazing because with a lot of, you know, especially Polygon, even uh, yes. Arbitrum, there's a there's a pretty long delay coming back. So I could see how um, you could have a deep liquidity pool on Phantom if, um, you know, there, there, there's an arbitrage opportunity there for people using Uniswap, right? To, Go back and forth across that bridge um, to, to up funds if they need to and um, trade both of those pools. Absolutely, yes. So I know you're at the the Phantom Foundation, and that's you know you're you're being kind of a neutral body and, and trying to just promote overall development across Phantom. But I'm I'm curious if you have any sort of predictions on who the winners and losers in, in DeFi are going to be, not just on Phantom, but on, on the other um, chains as well. Like, do you see uh, places like SushiSwap or Curve, the ones that have kind of like built up a big uh, brand and reputation on ETH as having a huge advantage in Phantom and other, um, other chains? Or is it going to be this organic, like the ones that are Phantom first are going to kind of be there first and, and get more um, momentum going? That is a really good question. So hmm, it's, uh, let me think about it. I would say that, uh, yeah, it's a mix of both. And uh, I can tell you the experience that we have on um, uh, on Phantom. I'm curious to see what's going to happen on Avalanche. But, uh, for example, Curve had huge success, of course, on, uh, on Phantom, also because it was one of the very first protocols deployed on, on Phantom back in February. Um, on the other hand, we have SushiSwap that didn't get much love at all on Phantom. And, uh, and if, you, if you look at the Falama right now, you know, Spirit and Spooky are, you know, on a completely different level uh, for TVL and for 
um, actual use of the of the platform. These, of course, due to the incentives, right? So new protocols such as Pelican Spooky were able to have incentives and incentivize users. Uh, Sushi couldn't for now, right? Because I'm sure that you guys have heard about it, but uh, recently, uh, last week, uh, we announced a 370 million FTM incentive rewards program. It's around $500 million at the moment. So it's the biggest uh, DeFi incentive program uh, to date. And possibly we might see, you know, things shift a little bit, even though I'm not so sure because uh, Spooking Spirit really uh, took off, you know, regarding Phantom. So I would say it's really, yeah, it really depends. That's why, you know, I said that it's, uh, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen on, on Avalanche Advance Curve and Ava Deploy there so that we can compare with what happened with Phantom, what happened with, uh, with Polygon. But, uh, but also one, one important thing to, to point out is that Communities speaking, you know, let's let's take Phantom Community uh, as a, as an example here. They love supporting um, pro- network specific protocols, so there there will always be a special place for those. Got it. I'm glad you you brought up this. Uh... 370 million phantom uh, incentive because uh, we're going to move a little bit now into kind of the future and what's going forward. So if you're a developer or podcaster or a newsletter writer or, you know, involved in DeFi in any way, how, how can you kind of access these incentive? How does it work? What's the, what's the kind of process for, for, for taking part in that program? Yeah, so it's pretty easy, um, and, and it's genius, right? So Andre and uh, Mike Pong and Michael Chen took some time to to figure out a way that to create an incentive program that is not just giving money away to people because we've seen it with uh, with other networks, you know, with Polygon, and um, and I believe that one only so far. But basically, you know, people they will just follow the money, right? So in the moment that the incentive dry dry up a little bit they will move where the incentives are better. So incentivizing end users doesn't really make much of a sense. Um, And instead, we decided to incentivize builders. So how do we incentivize builders in DeFi? Basically, you deploy your protocol on Phantom, and then um, it's just a very uh, deterministic approach. So if you do certain things, then you will get rewarded no matter what. If you're sushi, or if you're, you know, whatever anonymous anonymous uh, project that you may run, as long as it's legitimate, of course. And there are four bands at the moment uh, for TVL. So for deploying Phantom, you have to reach at least five million TVL, an average of five million TVL on Phantom. And if you maintain that TVL above five million or above, you get uh, one million FTM as rewards uh, vested over a year. And then as a, as a team, as a developer team, you can choose to do whatever you want with those funds. You can use them for, uh, you know, just for yourself, you know, to pay your salary, to pay uh, for the development of the protocol, or also you can use them for incentives. And that's what, for example, Curve and Spooky decided to do on, on Phantom. And the other bands are, you know, first is fifth, between 5 million TVL and 50 million TVL. Next band is 50 million to 100 million TVL. In the case, uh, the protocol gets 1.8 million FTM. Next band is 100 million to 200 million uh, TVL. And in that case, the protocol gets 5 million FTM vested over a year. And then there's the higher band that is above 200 million TVL, and the protocol gets to 12 million FTM, if I'm not wrong. Yes, 12 million FTM vested over a year. And then the, that's very similar to how uh, like a CEO um, would have their options uh, given to them, uh, you know, running a public company or something like that. Exactly, yes. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it makes a little bit more sense than just you know giving away uh, rewards to everyone. And uh, I just wanted to point out that we're also working on um, on a model to reward NFT projects and uh, gaming projects, right? Because right now 
Uh, it's only on uh, for DeFi projects because it's easier. We have PDL. It's quite um, it, it's it's an open metric. It's really easy to to verify and all that. So with NFT and gaming can be a little bit more tricky, but you know we're working on that. So we'll announce uh, yeah how the incentive program will work for those in the near future. And and just to, to clarify, I think I saw something before you recorded that Curve Pools are now also offering uh, Phantom rewards. Is that this program trickling through down to, to the users, or is that something yeah. else? That's exactly it. Yes, yes. So in, wow. in the case of Curve, they decided to use basically all the rewards. Of, uh, yeah, I think all the rewards are part of it, but I'm pretty sure that they're using all the rewards. Um, yeah, for, you know, to incentivize users. Because that's, you know, that's, it's, it's a super, super smart way of doing it because there's, you know, there's that sort of game theory mechanism that starts because it's a protocol. You can either, you know, just cash in the, the you know, the rewards and hope that users just stay on, on, uh, on your protocol and, you know, keep getting the rewards or it's up to you to, you know, decide how to retain those users and retain that PBL. Awesome. That's really interesting. Um, I think I need to uh, move some stuff over after this uh, conversation. Um, yeah, I, I just wanna... bought. I just I just bought a bunch more Curve yesterday too. I I mean, yeah. I, I now that I know it's over on Phantom, I think I'm just going to move it straight over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh there's there's good AP APY there right now. Yeah. Um, I have this kind of weird obsession with uh, the the projects and use cases that are crypto projects, but they kind of touch the real world, like this stuff that Chainlink is doing with, you know, crop insurance and, and things like that. And so like one of the things that caught my eye about Phantom were, were all these deals um, that you have been doing with governments and um humanitarian stuff. I know you had a thing in Afghanistan where you're using it to track the, the supply chain, medical supply chain. So can you give us a little bit of, are there any interesting projects that you can kind of talk, talk about that are places where Phantom is being used in these kind of like outside of crypto applications? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's been very interesting and it's been one of the sort of um, I would say traits that Phantom has that no other uh, chains or layer one networks has at the moment, which is the real world use. So you mentioned that we were working quite heavily in Afghanistan, uh, working with, I believe, four or five government entities. And then unfortunately, we had to stop all the operations and evacuate the team uh, because of what happened. Uh, but it was it was going very well. You know, the... Um, the program that, that you mentioned, the, the Ministry of Health um, program, was actually very, very successful. People really liked, really enjoyed tracking uh, their medicines with, uh, you know, using Phantom without knowing that they're using Phantom. Of course, you know, they just either scan a QR code or, you know, call, uh, uh, either call a number or send a text with a PIN code or something like that. And uh, they would get an immediate answer uh, to know whether the medicine they were buying it was, was real or counterfeit because in Afghanistan and also 80% of the world actually has a problem with uh, counterfeit drugs. Um, so we're also working in other, in other countries, um, uh, Tajikistan, uh, what else, Uzbekistan, Ukraine, and these are all that's all I can say, because uh, of course there's uh, yeah, that, that there's all stuff that is going on behind the scene that can't be announced before uh, it's announced. <laughs> but we're still working with uh, with real world. Um, it's it's yeah, it's kind of sad what happened in Afghanistan, but also uh, in a way, you know, we bring uh, the experience that we that we built in Afghanistan. We, we've been working with uh, the Afghanistan government and government entities for almost two years. So, you know, we learned a lot. We learned how to communicate with these people. We learned how to uh, explain what blockchain and what Phantom can bring to the table and how can ultimately improve lives and, you know, make uh, you know, things better and easier and, you know, more transparent and so on. 
So we can definitely bring that experience to other countries that uh, we're talking to. Are we going to see a uh, central bank digital currency built on Phantom? <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. Interesting. What about, so do you, do you kind of, you know, there's all this, uh, talk about regulatory crackdowns and on crypto and a lot of open questions on that. Like, do you see this kind of phantom deals with governments and, and, uh, this part of, of, of the activity, is that kind of like a protection against that? Or do you think, you know, it's going to, it's going to be an advantage for phantom going forward that you have these relationships you can point to? Mm, I think it's it's two separate things. Uh, so the, the regulatory crackdown that is going to happen eventually, I think it's good to a certain extent. For, you know, I, I don't like it, but you know, uh, basically it's one of those things that if we want crypto to really be mainstream, it needs to happen to a certain extent. Um, however, I, I don't think you know the work that we're doing and we've done with governments. I mean, it's it's very it's not monetary, so it, you know, wouldn't be affected by uh, regulations at all, because it's basically just uh, supply chain tracking and uh, ERP systems and so on. Um, so, so yeah, let's see. I don't think also we do have a specific advantage, you know, regarding when it comes to regulation, because well, one one thing for sure, uh, Phantom is not a security, so we, we you know, otherwise it wouldn't be listed on U.S. exchanges. Uh, also, we have uh, legal opinions you know, saying that we're not security. So, from that point of view, it's uh, it's quite clear. Um, however, you know, uh, let's see what happens to uh, to the space in general and what the sort of requirements for these regulations are. Got it. Um, so, yeah, I think. You know, I'm, I'm at the end of, of, of the questions I had, but I'd just like to, to close and say, like, are there any uh, exciting announcements that, that you'd like to drop or projects that you think, uh, you know, people should check out or, or bits of alpha you can share about uh, cool things to do on Phantom? Like what, what should be the next uh, action that someone should, should check out after listening to this? Sure. So I'll drop some alpha that, I mean, I mentioned it already, but, you know, there's Artium, that is our NFT marketplace that will be released uh, quite soon, we're um, fixing a few issues so that it's uh, it's nice and smooth to use. And that's uh, when that drops, you know, we're really going to see uh, NFTs on Phantom and you know how the experience of buying and even more so trading NFTs is going to be different uh, compared to Ethereum. But um, also, Artyom is compared to OpenSea. Um, doesn't take any uh, any fees on the sales, so that's huge for uh, for traders and also for for creators in general. Uh, and then you know the NFT bridge, that's another huge thing. Uh, you know, it kind of goes hands in hands with, uh, with the NFT marketplace. And then as a users, you know, if you've never used Phantom before, just go on multichain.xyz or Spooky Swap. Um, and use their bridge and come over to Phantom and, you know, try Spooky Swap, try Spirit Swap. Uh, those are two main DEXs. Try Curve, you know, you're familiar already with that, but you'll see that we're going to see that on, on Phantom is super, super fast, smooth and cheap. And um, try out Screen. It's our lending protocol. There is a photo compound. Uh, try out Reaper Farm, one of my absolute favorite projects on uh, Phantom that could not exist on Ethereum. So a couple of words about Reaper. Reaper is, uh, is an auto-compounding uh, protocol that has vaults. So you put you know, basically money in there and just auto-compounds for you. Auto-compounds, I don't know how many times per hour, but it's something that, again, due to fees, it couldn't be possible at all on Ethereum. And in Phantom, it's possible. I believe it's something like 20 transactions per hour uh, per account or something like that. So it's, it's really it's really great. And this is really what I'm looking for and forward to um, all these sort of automations and you know things that we really uh, leverage the speed and uh, and performance in general of Phantom. 
Um, so I would say yes. Uh, come over to Phantom, multi chain, spooky swap bridge, and then use spooky swap, use spirit, use uh, the screen, use curve, and use river farm. And I apologize for all the projects that I keep forgetting, but you know, these are the five that I have on my mind right now. And, uh, and then, you know, once you come in, we also have a super strong and supportive community. So come join the Telegram, come join the Discord, and we'll have a lot of people that uh, we help you out with uh, the first steps in, in Phantom. Simone, uh, thanks so much for, for your time today. This has been awesome. I was trying to keep count of how many uh, alphas was in that last part, and I lost count at like, I don't know, 10 or 15. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot. Um, thanks yeah, so much. Yeah, don't worry, I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I personally, like, I just using Phantom is incredible. You know, like, you go from ETH having $80 to approve a contract, let alone interact with it. And I've been playing around with Arbitrum and, you know, five, six, seven bucks transactions is nice, but you know, you're getting these one cent transactions on Phantom and now with like Curve and all these other DeFi, like I don't, I don't see why I shouldn't move all of my kind of stable farming and, and, you know, basically any kind of thing where I have to move stuff around a lot and, and do, do a bunch of transactions. Like I'm going to be looking for, to do those on Phantom kind of as my first stop from now on. Um, so, so thanks so much. What's the best way for, for people to connect with you or if they want to follow up or, or keep, uh, keep uh, aware of, of new stuff going on at Phantom? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at the other account. Uh, and you know, the foundation is at PhantomFPN on Twitter. And our website is phantom.foundation. And on the homepage, you're going to find all the links to our community, our Discord, our Telegram. GitHub for developers, and uh, and so on, and our blog, of course, you, you know, we post uh, almost daily on, on our blog, and that's also a really good way to uh, keep up to date with what's happening in, in Phantom. Simone Pomposi, Phantom Foundation, thanks so much for chatting with us today. This has been awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks.